welcome to the new episode of Dive In With Me, the podcast of the Fondation EME. In this podcast, we try to tackle the big question of why music is a great tool for social inclusion and how many people can benefit from musical projects. The subject is very dear to the Fondation EME as we are active in Luxembourg and try to organize concerts and musical activities for people excluded from society. In this episode, we are talking to Anis Barna. Anis is a multicultural citizen of the world with experiences and journeys in the private and public sector. A social entrepreneur committed to a core life's mission as a co-founder of El Sistema Greece, Anis believes in community arts projects as a tool for social inclusion. He has worked at the French Embassy in the US, Radio France, Sciences Po Paris, and at Escones Holt, representing orchestras and choirs from all over the world. He is now actively involved and working for El Sistema Greece as well as the Community Arts Network. During this episode, we get to know more about the El Sistema programs, the benefits of music and how empowering children can change the course of their lives. Have fun! Hi, Anis. How are you doing? Hi, Sarah. Very good, very good. It's um, nice weather in Athens as always. Most of the time. I'm Good. very happy to be with you. I'm very happy that you're here with us as well. Um, like every episode of this podcast, we will start by asking you, what's your favorite music? It's a very tough one, very tough one, because I like music in general. So I don't have a particular genre. It goes from uh, classical music, of course, to traditional, to even more contemporary, like pop, rock, uh, even some deep house music. So As long as the music is good and it makes me feel and move, I'm happy with any kind of music. Yeah, I feel that I have the same thing, but maybe what's your favorite song right now? Well, I do have several, but um, one that I was actually listening earlier today was, um, you know, this uh, composer, American composer, Eric Whitaker. He's composing a lot of uh, music for hundreds and thousands of uh, singers. And during the pandemic, it was quite famous so i really like any kind of eric whitaker song because it brings this kind of a sense of community and the fact of singing i'm not myself a good singer but when i can i really sing with uh, other people in choirs and always feel very uplifting so i would say any kind of music from eric whitaker nice nice and it's good because you've started talking about community and that's what we want to talk to you today so you co-found el sistema For those maybe who don't know what El Sistema Greece is or El Sistema in general, maybe you could just like explain in three words what El Sistema does. And in just... three words, it's difficult. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Oh, basically, let's say that um, it's a collective way of learning music. And through the music, it's also this social component. It's very important for the development of the skills of the kids, cognitive skills, but also um the way how to behave in, in society. So I think more than a method, it's more a kind of a set of values like solidarity, self-esteem, teamwork, because the lessons of El Sistema are always collective. And in a way, it's how you interact with the group, knowing that you have probably a very different background, origins, religion. And this is the beauty of, um, of El Sistema. It's not only super high artistic quality, But it has this uh, sense of belonging and community that I'm really, really passionate about. And I mean, it started in Venezuela, no? It started in Venezuela in 1975, so yeah. almost 50 years ago. 
the legends say that uh, Isabel with only nine kids. And of course, now it's more than one million only in Venezuela. Um, and because it's a good philosophy, it's a good concept, it's a good set of values, it has spread and developed over the world in more than 75 countries now. So Azitema Gris is one of the latest, uh, the baby Azitema. Um, but I think that we are really on the same approach and the same set of value again of um, of what is happening in Venezuela. And we try to do what is best for the kids. Always the kids at the center of what we do. And I mean, how did you come to, to work with Azitema? How did you find yourself uh, founding Azitema uh, Gris? Well, I was very lucky because during several years, I used to be a tour manager working in a classical music agency based in London. And this classical music agency, Asconas Holt, had the privilege of working um, exclusively with the Venezuelans. So I was as affected as a project manager for the orchestras and choirs of El Sistema. So I was spending my whole life during many years with a lot of very, very nice, great musicians, but also very, very good persons um, from Venezuela touring with the Simon Bolivar uh, Symphony Orchestra and Gustavo Dudamel, with the Teresa Carreño Youth Orchestra and Christian Vasquez, with the Youth Orchestra of Caracas and Dietrich Paredes, with the choir, the Simon Bolivar Choir and with the Sanchez. So many ensembles that I got the virus. I thought that what they were doing on stage was amazing, but what was the hidden part of every tour was even more amazing for me because it was exactly how they reach out to the local communities. Mm -hmm. And whether we went to Asia, to Europe, to North or South America, we always had a few of these musicians that were going to hospitals, prisons, schools, other system programs. And I saw the beauty of the transmission of the music, how it was done. So I was really in love with this and the impact because the impact is something that is very, very important and very interesting. I saw how it has this last effect on the children, on the program itself, and it was just uh, beautiful to see that. So I was very in love with El Sistema in general. And then in 2016, I came across the refugee crisis. Amongst many crises in, in, in Greece, I came here to help as a volunteer in Lesbos Island. And my plan was to do something that was really humanitarian and nothing related to music. But very, very soon after a couple of days, I, I thought that if Maestro Abreu, the founder of El Sistema in Venezuela, was here in Lesbos, he would say, Anis, you have to start an orchestra. And, and it was kind of obvious and, and, and very needed at this time that um, all these kids that didn't have at the time a formal education system because it was completely a mess, the floor of refugee coming and, and how um, the authorities and the NGOs were dealing with primary needs. Education was really something apart. So I contacted the friends in Venezuela. We worked on a pedagogical program. We also found some um, funders, some sponsors. And then two months later, we started uh, the first lessons in a refugee camp in Greece with one of the founders of uh, El Sistema in Venezuela for the choir, Lourdes Sanchez. And we started also with very few kids in a very, very little container in the camp of Scalamagas, close to Athens. Mm -hmm. And now we have 400 kids every week that are following the, the, the system. So it was a need at the time that uh, we could do something interesting. And since then, it has been 
not only a, a mission of my life, but also a passion and many things that have unfolded in many different areas. So here we are. Yeah, and that's also how, how we've met because the foundation uh, is linked to the Philharmonie and to the OPL, to the orchestra, and the orchestra went on tour in 2018. Yes, yes. Um, and they went to Greece and to Athens, and that's how we got in touch with you. And then uh, some musicians went to Skaramagas, to the camp, and did some workshops there and concerts, I think. Uh, exactly. We, yeah. And and this is the great thing about um, the musical world in general. Um, there are amazing musicians in many orchestras, including the Orchestre Philharmonie du Luxembourg, and sometimes they tour in Europe. And in 2018, I remember it was with uh, Gustavo Jimeno and also Yuja Wang and the orchestras. And a couple of months earlier, we had some discussions with the management of the orchestra. And we said, you know, maybe if you can stay one more day, we can um, bring some of the musicians in the refugee camp and the kids of El Sistema Greece can show you what they are capable of. And of course, it would be very inspiring for these children to listen to very, very high quality music from the musicians of the orchestra. So we had this preliminary um, contact and then it was a beautiful um, love story almost between the foundation, between the orchestra and between El Sistema Greece because we said that we would have this partnership where some of the musicians would come again to inspire the children, but also to discuss with the teachers of El Sistema Greece who always need some um, advice and, and exchange of pedagogy on, on tricks, on tips. And I think it's, um, it's really a win-win because for the professional musicians of the orchestra, it's something that makes sense because in many ways they come back to the roots, why they wanted to be a musician and artist and share the experience, not as a collective in the orchestra, but really close to the community. And at the same time, for us and an organization, for the teachers, for the team, for the children, it was, and the families of the children, it was really a blessing. And, and we're very grateful that the foundation supported this, um, this, uh, several trips in 18 and then 19. That was really, really good. Yeah. And I mean, it was also inspiring for us. It's not only inspiring for the children, but also for us and for the musicians to like see what music can do and, and also be aware of how they interact with each other. Because they have like like this peer method to like teach the other, so nobody has individual uh, music courses as sometimes we have uh, in Western culture, but they all learn together, and that's just so nice to see how they interact with, with each other. You know, we always say it's very cliche that music is is a universal language, but it's true. Mm -hmm. And when you are in this context, when you have kids in in refugee camp, and you have thirty, forty, and they come from. 10, 15 different nationalities. They don't have the same religion or the same color of skin. So when you are coming from your comfort zone as a professional musician, you don't necessarily know how to approach this. And, and I think it's really a learning experience. And, and at the end of the experience, it's only positive because it's about sharing, again, your values and who you are, how you do it. And, and you think that you're only going to help the the little um, refugee kids from the refugee camp and everything. But at the end, um, probably you have received more help in discovering also yourself and mm. who you are. And, and then it makes you somehow kind of a better person, I think. Yeah. And I think that's also like the power of art 
community art projects, you know, that they aspire not only to like give access to music or to arts to people who are a bit excluded, but that they do so much for everyone involved in them. I mean, uh, you're right. Arts have this um, transformative power. We always speak about transformative power of the arts, but it makes us see ourselves differently and it changes our behaviors as well as our relationship with others and nature. There is a very, very good speech of uh, Maestro Abre, one of the TED, text, uh, TED speeches he, he made, when he speaks about this um, different layer, these different circles of um, how it benefits you. Um, it has this kind of a first circle when you, it shows your inner self. So how are you going to be yourself a creative person and how you interact, you understand who you are, how you can develop your own musical personality and your personality as a citizen as well. The second circle is how it affects the different person around you, the close circle, the family, the community and everything. And then the third circle is really this um, society, the world, how through the community arts project, it has an impact on the world because it's all about working together, changing the narrative as well, because we have so many problems around the world and it's very easy to be completely depressed by everything happening. So whenever you have the chance of just collaborating with each other and arts is something that is very immediate, it's very easy, it's very nice, but you can also do it um, in your own job with uh, just having a, a coffee, sharing some nice uh, gossips around uh, uh, people around you. It's a, it's a way of interacting with the others that makes you someone discover yourself, but also how you behave in society. And that's also why you are now working with the Community Arts Network, no? Exactly, exactly. I'm... Um, I have several hats. The first one is, of course, yeah. uh, the the love of my life with Elsie Greece and the grassroots organization. Uh, for me, it's very important to have this um, foundation, this ground, this uh, um, grassroots plant in what I do, because this is always a reminder of the work that we do and the concrete examples. But we also realize that there's so many organizations and people spread around the world that are working much time in silos. I mean, there are many things that are happening in other countries, still like a kind of a system Greece project, but in a refugee camp in, in, in Kenya or in South America, or I mean, everywhere, even in, uh, in, in Luxembourg, there is a system in Luxembourg. So we are aware of the things that are happening around, but we are not really in touch with, and we don't have the capacity to just take our eyes out of the daily operations. So I do this, but I do this with Antisemagris, with a very, very strong team that you know yourself, Sarah, because you came to Athens uh, some years ago. Um, wonderful team of, uh, of Greek people for the majority of them. And uh, for the last couple of years, I've always been working for the Community Arts Network. And this is the kind of a helicopter view that I'm very fortunate because the network has two missions. The first one is really to take the examples of such organizations as Antisemagris, map them, connect them with other similar organizations and make sure that they can use the synergies, collaborate, co-create, co-curate some events and make sure that arts is seen not as a decoration, but as something that is fundamental for our societies and how we can use all of that. So enabling the sector of arts for social impact is very, very important for me. And the second aspect is in the advocacy, how as a network, we can go to the big 
tables, the big decision makers, the foundation like yourself. And we can tell them that they should invest more in arts, not for the sake of the arts, which is very good as well, but arts for social change. And the arts for social change, what we call the community arts um, community, is something that is developed a little bit around the world, but is not so impactful in a collective way. So the network will really try to go to these policymakers, business leaders, foundation world, and try to create this kind of a supporting ecosystem where organizations can find more resources, more support, and then hopefully it's also changed the narrative around the arts that is not something that uh, should be aside, but really part of and everything that we do. And if I can quote uh, um, Eric Whitaker again, um, <laughs> because I just saw one of his uh, interviews, he was saying that it's crazy that we don't sing at school, for example, the first thing that we do in the morning, because it has not only the physical um, effect that it makes your body more released and less tensed and, and, and it releases joy and dopamine and everything, but it's also very good for the way that you interact with the group. So I would argue for more choirs in, in the world and orchestras as well. I mean, I'm more in the orchestra world than the choir, even though I'm very, very close to the choirs. I just like the idea to like put everyone together because as you said, every country or every region or every city has like its own initiatives. And um, yeah, sometimes we know about them. Sometimes, sometimes we don't. And I mean, a bigger number and together we are stronger to also change and to show also the importance of what we are doing on a daily basis because it goes around just uh, or above just selling tickets to come to a concert. So for me, that goes also with the um, community arts projects. And it's also, we need to find a way how we could link like doing like arts for the purpose of doing arts and being an artist and, and doing arts for the purpose of having social impact because both are linked. I mean, as an artist, oftentimes you want to change something. So just find the, the right initiative that supports you in doing it and then create your art and create it with other people. And uh, you're very right. That's the power of the network, definitely. But I think there is also a change in the new generation of artists today. They cannot only go to the big concert halls and be completely disconnected with reality because the audience has changed. Mm -hmm. And because they are also, I mean, communications is everywhere. So you, you cannot be completely in your bubble and just avoid the news and avoid the people. So this confrontation with the people, either you take it as a threat or you take it as an added value to your own musical personality. And today you have so many examples of great artists in the world that are either launching their own foundation and supporting community project, or they really try to be close to the communities because then it's a way to approach um, new audiences to come to the concerts, but it's also a way to change a little bit the DNA of the orchestra itself. And, and this goes for me in the same direction that it's, um, it's really creating this kind of, uh, this support system, this humanity support system. And we have seen during the pandemic that we were all longing for arts in general and you remember maybe these um these musicians that were on their balconies and they were just trying to reach out to the people around them and it was very successful it was very beautiful it was so beautiful to see and i feel like we still need to to consider the moment of the pandemic because 
and now I feel we went. It's an epidemic now, so we can say the pan- pandemic has, has ended, <laughs> and we've entered the stage of uh, epidemic. Um, but I feel like we are losing this um, social cohesion of how important arts are because I felt it really strongly in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, because then people saw that, like, yeah, if you don't, if you can't go to concerts or go to museums or, yeah, whatever you did before the pandemic started, they felt really lost and like they had a void that they had to fill. And now we've just gotten back to our daily lives and it has been a, or has become a habit again, you know, to, to have arts. Completely. Without arts, life is uh, boring. So it's, it's this kind of, um, very good um, addition to your life that you can experience the arts either as a consumer, you go to a concert, a theater play, you go to the museum or as an actor yourself. And then you are also showing up your own musical personality. But I think that the, the pandemic was really a, a, a weird moment in many ways because at the beginning it was a kind of a breathing. So people enjoyed the couple of first week when they were alone and they could also consume a lot of um, cultural activities. I remember all these uh, uh, big museums, big uh, uh, digital concert halls that were opening everything for free and you were a little bit like overwhelmed by mm-hmm. the offering. And it was good at the beginning, but then then it's not the same. It's not the same experience. When And even us talking here on Zoom, I love Zoom, but at some point I don't love Zoom because I prefer to have a real connection, being the same room and, and to have this kind of a interaction face-to-face, which is much more interesting. There are less codes in a way. We can interrupt each other differently. We can hug each other, which I miss very, very much. There are all these things that makes us human that we always have to come back to. And I think that now in this post-pandemic, apademic, whatever you call it, (laughs) I think we are desperate of going back to a communal experience. And the arts is one of them because then you can really feel physically i mean not even not even psychologically but when you go to a concert and you know very well at the at the philharmonie in luxembourg when you go to the concert it is a physical sensation that you you are you are um penetrated by the music and Mm -hmm. this experience is something that you can do a little bit from your computer uh, watching a nice um, uh, concert but when you are in the concert hall with thousands of other people it's not the same experience. It's not the same experience. And that said, we have never actually met like in person. <laughs> no, we still owe this hug. We still, we still need to do that. <laughs> yes. How did you work uh, with Azizema Greece during the pandemic? Because that's when we've kind of had to stop coming to see you and, and stop uh, collaborating with you because we couldn't fly out to Athens. Um, no. But did you, could you continue doing the workshops and having the rehearsals for the orchestra? So as all the different programs around the world, I think we all had the same idea um, that we had to do something online, um, which is a good idea, but very difficult to implement because it relies a lot on the availability of the children, the connections of the computer that you had. If you have a computer at all, in the case of the the children in the refugee camp, it was very difficult because they don't share computers and there are a lot of people using the same kind of device. And also the, the, 
the lessons themselves. So the teachers that we have at Assistant Magris, they did a, um, a heroic work in adapting, in adjusting their lessons from an in-person to an online experiment. We had the uh, we have created an online platform where the teachers were recording videos for the children with the repertoire that was available for them to download. And then we had lessons continuing, but it cannot be the same kind of lesson that we have in person because any kind of a, a online platform doesn't allow multiple sound to come in. Yeah. So I don't know if you have tried to do a, a something altogether, like a big shout or something, you always catch the sound of the one who is the closest to mm-hmm. the microphone. So if you want to do something with 15 or 20 children, you only hear one sound after the other. So it was more a kind of a individual lesson in the frame of the collective frame. But before it was all collective and sometimes you could see one after the other how they were doing. But now it was really something that was completely different. So we kind of um, made something out of the the program. It was not perfect. It was a lot of trials and errors and mistakes. And, Mm -hmm. but in the end, we worked even more on the second aspect, not necessarily the musical aspect, but really the social component of it. So it was also a way for us to check in with the families, with the children, with the team. It was a way for us to develop this um, community building around, we are proud of being part of our system agrees. And I think that for this, we did, uh, we did a good job. It was not only bad, the pandemic, even though I have to say in respect that um, most of it was not very good. No. Yeah. And I mean, that also showed it, the importance of like the social interaction, you know, in the whole program of, of a system agrees, because Completely. that's what, what makes it so great, so good and so great. It's like the social interaction of everybody included in it. It's not only about, I mean, you know, because you, you know a little bit more about that system agrees, but we are present in, in several locations, including in refugee camps, but also in community centers. We also have our headquarters in one of the most um, populated neighborhood in, in Athens, very diverse, very um, multicultural neighborhood in Athens. And each of these nucleos, as we call them, they have their own identity. They work in a different um, frame, but they always work on the same repertoire because at some point, the idea is to join forces from different nucleos and to be part of the same concert. Mm-hmm. So these concerts couldn't happen during the pandemic, of course. So we had a lot of postponement as everyone in the music industry had, but it made us a little bit more difficulties for us because we were working in, again, in kind of a silos between different um, nucleos, different centers. And we had to build again, when we met in person, this whole holistic approach of of mm-hmm. um, of And now the concert that we had since then, they really integrate all the different kids of the different uh, nucleos and this is where the social inclusion is very important. If you, I think that if you only are active in refugee camp, it's, it's a necessity. It's very good. It's, it's, um, it's a great for the development of these children and the sense of community and everything. It also helps in, um, making more connections between the different communities inside the, the refugee camp, the, between the, the Kurds, between the Afghans, between the Syrians, between the, 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 the African population as well. It's very good. 
But the real project of Francis and Agris, the social inclusion, is also with the Greek society. How everyone is integrated and we really deliver this new face of Greece and this new face of Europe with this integration. And the social inclusion through the music is really what we do best because we have today 35 different nationalities and they are all friends. I know, it's so good. And I mean, this this may sound really cheesy, but why music? Why use music as a tool for social inclusion? It's not cheesy. It's um, it's a good question. It's just that, uh, I mean, the, the first one is that we know how to do with music. So we knew the methodology, the pedagogy. We had the, the support from different partners around the world. Um, we have a um, um, uh, superstar in the music industry, like Joyce Donato, that is also coming to mm-hmm. the, the Philharmonie in Luxembourg. She's coming almost every year and she's really helping us a lot in terms of showing how you can reach out this super level of artistry and how at the same time you can be a beautiful human being. So we have this um, support. If we were good in dance or in theater or in um, uh, visual arts or photography or or we would do that or even in, in mathematics or in language, we would do it. It's just that we are a little bit more expert in music than we are in the others. That being said, Every time that we have the opportunity for the children to experience another kind of art, we do it. We love the, the, all the organizations without borders. So we collaborate with musicians without borders, with magicians without borders, with clowns without borders, all the without borders. We love them and we facilitate the access to our kids. And then the kids are inspired even more or entertained or really amused by what is happening around them. And it also creates something that is deeper in them because then they develop their own relationship with the others. Um, we also uh, had nice collaborations with dancers uh, from the Opera de Paris, for example. We had um, a few dancers coming um, uh, to teach the very classical move of uh, of dancing. But we also had a, a beautiful dancer and choreographer from um, the UK, Akash Odedra, who is doing really something about contemporary dance. And we had a nice uh, Bollywood dance uh, with the kids that they love. And this is something that is really complementary. The art is not only about the music. And you know very well, if you're not moving while you are doing the music, you're a little bit stiff and then the music doesn't really go out. So it's very important for us to develop in a whole the body and the mind of these children. And I think what goes beyond that also because you've mentioned language and mathematics but I think language and mathematics requires that you understand uh, that you all understand the same words and or numbers and music you don't like everybody can feel it in some way and everybody can understand music Uh, more of like a language because language you have to speak a common language you know we we are are now speaking uh, English, but we could also speak French, but maybe beyond that, uh, who knows? Uh, if we wouldn't speak English or French, we maybe couldn't talk right now, you know? Exactly. Uh, and But we could like interact with music. We could play music together today, never have met each other, and still have something great coming out. And I think that's also an important part of why arts or music, sorry, you're we we are talking a lot about music, but as you said, it's what we know. <laughs> it's no, it's a, our, our DNA, but that works at our art forms as well. But it's a passport. 
when I was um, young, I studied clarinet and then I, I still play the clarinet. And wherever I went, I integrated local orchestras because it was easy. And then even though it was not my culture, it was not my language, I could find some similar like-minded people. And then it made my own integration a little bit easier in these countries. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, uh, again, we say uh, it's it's a passport. It's another cliche, but it's true again. It's, um, it's really like this. Um, and you're very right to say that um, it's opening horizons when you are in a lesson because you are definitely doing mathematics. I mean, music is really framed in a way that uh, it's one plus one equal two, and then you know exactly the bar, and then you have to play all together. And in terms of um, language, we are we are having scores repertoire in in Greek, of course. Also from the countries of origins of the kids. So it can be in Arabic, it can be in Dari, in Farsi, in Tigrini, it can be in French, it can be in English, in Spanish. We have really a lot of different um, languages and we use these opportunities for each of these children to come and to explain us, one, the pronunciation, because they are more expert than we are. So this is also a very systema approach where we have a kind of a virtuous circle where we integrate the kids and they are not only receiving the the lessons from a teacher it's really something that we integrate the kids in the lessons themselves um they're not only explaining about the pronunciation but also um the signification and the history because there is always a story behind the words so it's a kind of a empowering system for these young leaders to show what they know in front of a group that is always something that is complicated because it's a very stressful, it can be very um, intimidating. By integrating these practices from a very, very young age, these kids, they have no barriers, they don't have any kind of a shame and they just become the best, the most eloquent um, speakers that I know. And, and this is something that is very, very warming for me because through music, that is always an excuse, it's really about accompanying these young children and yes, and, and be a kind of an educator, big brother, whatever you name, it's being part of their surrounding and growing all together. Yeah, and also very cliche word as well, empowering them. No? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> because that, yeah, I think I feel that's really the heart of it. It's like the interactions uh, from the kids with each other and that they learn from each other and that it's not like one individual kid that has this problem and we need to fix it, but they can rely on, on each other and help, yeah, help the others. And I feel like that's really like the most beautiful thing of the, the whole Estima project. I, I fully agree with you. It's a, it's a kind of a larger community. And when you are empowered to, to dare to be with the others around you, then the world has less problems because it's not about being fearful about the others. It's really about being open enough to just show your own vulnerability and show your own personality. So I think it's a it's a kind of a lesson of life, I would say. And I mean, we have talked about how great it is, but have there ever been some obstacles in like? Yes, I mean every day. I was talking about the refugee crisis, for example. But um, in Greece, there have been an economic crisis. There have been the pandemic that we also sp spoke about. Um, 
social crisis also at some point for the balance between the different communities and everything. Every day is, is a struggle, but life is like this. And, and when you are yourself parent, you know that the education system is not going to be progressive always. It's a, it's a bunch of uh, roller coaster. And sometimes there are good days, sometimes there are bad days. But in order to understand and to value the good days, you also have to experience the bad days. Mm -hmm. So there are many obstacles that are still existing today. Um, but you know, it's, um, it's a kind of uh, mission. It's a kind of um, dream that we all have, the teacher, the administration to participate in bridging the gaps and making sure that everybody connects with everyone in this um, artistic way. And how many nucleus do you have at the moment? Um, the children, it's about 400 children. Okay. And the nucleus, we are, we have a couple in, uh, in, in Corinthos. So it's, uh, 85 kilometers from Athens. And then we have a bunch of, um, different centers in Athens where we deliver the lessons. Oh, nice. Um, so I think we have to come to the end of. Of this no. episode. I'm so sorry, but maybe I will just invite you again and then we, we can speak a lot more about it. But, um, every episode we, we try to end it with a recommendation of our in, invitee. So do you have a recommendation for us? My, my general recommendation is, um, one to not be afraid and not be, um, fearful of the others. So this general openness, it will make every one of us more human. And I think that in order to have this more connected and more human society, we have also to make some effort in this. And we will see that it's really about connectedness and, and less fragmentation. So this is very, very interesting for me. Um, in terms of uh, artistic recommendation, I mean, I have a lot, but I, I am <laughs> very, very moved by, a, by the lullaby project that Carnegie Hall started many years ago. It's a beautiful project um, that is now spread around the US, but also internationally. And basically it pairs a woman with an artist, a composer. They co-create together. So the, the artist, the composer is here to put into music what the mother would like to say to her child. Um, because sometimes it's difficult to speak to the kid, the, the, the kid. Sometimes it's, uh, it's more, it's easy to find an alternative way, an artistic way to express what you feel for the kid. So it's a kind of a gift. It's a kind of a beautiful gift. And Carnegie Hall has done that with, um, mothers in hospitals, uh, with mothers in prisons as well. And we have taken the lullaby project. We have brought it to Athens in collaboration with the Stavros Narcos Foundation Cultural Center. And El Sistema Gris every year for the last five years is commissioning um, between five and seven composers, Greeks and also non-Greeks. And they work hand in hand with a mother, a father, a step, step parents or, or whatever in difficult, um, vulnerable situations. Um, there is one that I really love from last year. The mother is called Adriana. And she co-created a lullaby with a Greek rapper called Answer. Um, and it's about the love um, of the mother that she wants to give to her son who is minor and who is in prison. Mm -hmm. 
So because of the difficulty of like just physical connections, there was a gift from the mother and answer the rapper for this um, this little son in the prison. And um, the musical result is being done uh, by the musicians of Azizima Greece, the kids and also the teachers, and answer as a rapper. And I, even though it's in Greek, it's uh, it's really, really um, touching the lyrics. And I encourage you to listen to it and to translate the lyrics because it's really beautiful. Και κοινά μάνα για σένα κι αυτός ο πατέρας μου πότε δεν γνώρισες Βασανισμένη ψυχή, βασανισμένο κορμί Δουλεύω από το πρωί και να γασπίτι το βράδυ αργά τίποτα μη σου λείψει Κι ας το ξέρω πως όσα σου έδωσα ίσως σου φάνηκαν λίγα Μας τορκίζω με μάτια μα αυτά ήταν που μπόρεσα Αυτά ήταν όλα σα είχα Δεκαπέντε τα χρόνια σου και να βράδυ την πόρτα θα κλείσει. Απόψε στο σπίτι το νιώθω πω δεν θα χτίσει. Περιμένω αργά να γυρίσει. Σε μαγέψαν οι φίλοι σου, οι κακέ υπαρέε και οι καταχρήσει. Um, we will add the YouTube link in the, in the show notes and also in the notes where we post it. And uh, on YouTube you can, you can look at the lyrics uh, and then translate them uh, automatically. And it's a, a really, really beautiful song and it's a beautiful uh, project. Um, so thank you so much, Anis. It was so fun talking to you. Thank you, Sarah, for the invitation. And then I think we will talk again soon. Well, I hope so. I always love love to um, talk to you and to talk to the foundation and to talk to the friends, all the friends, the musicians, and the administration of the of the orchestra. It's, yeah. uh, it has been a very fruitful and very very nice collaboration that we had. Yes, we need to reactivate it and come back to Athens. Yes, please. <laughs> we have a plan. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm.